I guess I, I, you know, I, I'm particularly obsessive about that. You know, a lot of photographers they'll do a couple of road trips and that's that series, and then they do something else. I just tend to keep hammering away at the same thing. And once or twice, I've felt I'm done with this, but then I come back to it again. Maybe at some point I'll I'll change, but um, it to me it doesn't. It's not really like a series or something that's for one book or one exhibition.、Um, it's just, it's just what I do. On this week's episode, we're talking with Rob Han. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the show, and just wanted to take a quick second、uh, before we jump into things and just say a huge thanks. Uh, to everyone who's reached out over social media and just let me know how much that they're enjoying these interviews so far, and it really does mean a lot to know that people are connecting with these conversations. And also, just a quick ask before we jump into things:、um, if you haven't yet left a rating or review for the show,、uh, it would be hugely appreciated if you did.、Uh, it really does help get this out there in front of more people. So today I'm talking with Rob Han, and a bunch of you probably know him for his book titled Diesel Fried Chicken, which I gotta say、uh, is just a really amazing name for a body of work. And Rob gets into that a little later. So Rob's a photographer based out of New York City, and I feel like myself and him share very similar interests when it comes to the subjects that we capture. And most of Rob's work is done out in the American West,、uh, Southwest area, and he's been working on the same portfolio for quite a long time. And I gotta say, his work is just so consistently great, and I love the fact that he often seeks out and incorporates some humor into his images.、Um, just kind of always striving to find the unique environments throughout the vast landscape that he travels doing his road trip style photography. So a lot of great topics throughout this conversation, including Rob's earlier years as a portrait photographer and how he made the transition into the type of work that he's doing now. And we also talk about Rob's approach to print sales, which I find very fascinating, and that is、uh, selling his work both on the street in New York City and also in galleries as limited edition pieces, which are obviously two very different worlds. So I love that topic, and I, I think there's a lot of value there. I think that you're all going to enjoy this one today. So let's jump into things. Work now for a couple of years, basically ever since I first came across it、uh, on Instagram, and obviously we share、uh, we share a, a, a common interest, absolutely in subject matter and kind of a love for the road. At least what I get from you know browsing through your portfolio and looking at your work. So、uh, yeah, excited to have a chat with you today and and talk about your work. Thanks, Kyle.、Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that.、Um, I just took another look through your Instagram feed. And、um, we've we've been to a lot of the same places, photographed a lot of the same stuff.、Um, it's always interesting to me,、uh, but, you know, since since I got into Instagram and the type of people that I that I like to follow, I I see a lot of, I recognise a lot of places, you know, and it's interesting to see how people deal with it differently,、um, you know, because we all have our own. Our own take on these things, and、uh, so that's、uh, kind of been a fascinating thing. I, I always, I, it kind of felt like because when you're out there, you know, you're on your own, miles from anywhere. It feels like you're the only person doing this, you know. But that's 
That's clearly not true. So I guess in a, in a way it's a kind of a challenge to, um, uh, to come up with your, although it's a natural thing to do, to come up with your own, your own take on these these things and it's interesting to see how that happens yeah i agree i was i was actually going to ask you uh later on but now's a good time it's it's interesting i was looking through your uh portfolio as well today uh, uh again just to you know check out your images and, and dive a little deeper and i definitely recognized a lot of um, familiar places but some of them are these places that i would have thought i would was the only person to photograph, you know, not more of these like well-known places that you kind of expect people are going to, but I have one pulled up on my screen here. I think it's New Mexico, but it's this uh, disco. So it's like, yeah. yeah, And and the the funny thing about that image is I remember pulling into that parking lot when I was on my big road trip, seeing that and thinking to myself, oh, like it caught my attention and I thought it would make a great photograph. And I remember driving away. So when I was going through your your images today, that one kind of stopped me. And that's one of those spots where, at least from what I can remember, it was so um, kind of off the beaten path in a sense of like, you, you wouldn't think anyone else would have seen that little detail and, and pulled in and photographed it. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, it's actually on uh, I-10, that little town, and it's I've totally spaced out in Deming, Deming, New Mexico. Deming. Um, but maybe just that corner of the town, you know, you could easily miss it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, definitely more so from like, it's not a, you know, it's not a building, an old building with a big kind of vintage sign in the right. middle of like an open desert. Um, yeah. so that one, yeah, that one was pretty neat to see and brought back some memories. Cool. Yeah. Now that town, did you ever see the a really cool documentary, um, about Sam Shepard and his old friend, uh, Johnny something or other? Um, it, I really recommend it. It's, and I've spaced out now and forgotten what it's called, but it's probably easy to find. It's a documentary about Sam Shepard and, and his friend, uh, and, you know, their relationship over the years. And this guy had ended up in that town working in a bakery in a, like a supermarket and living in a little house there. And uh, that's, that's what I remember of, of Deming, New Mexico, um, apart from, you know, my picture. <laughs> Interesting. It's personal to me. Uh, so I want to just jump kind of back quickly. I don't want to talk too, too much about uh, like your your past with your photography. But what I found interesting was diving into your history a little more. You've obviously been doing this photography for for a, a long time, photography as a whole. But you started out, it sounds like, as a portrait photographer for many, many years. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I was I never went to school for photography and um you know, one of my dark secrets is uh, I, I used to be a model um, back in the uh, sort of mid-80s going into the very early 90s. And um, when I just started that, I, I never even owned a camera. And I was thinking, you know, what can I do? I didn't know how long that would last, the modeling thing. And I thought, what, you know, what could I do after this? And I was always interested in looking at photographs and and I and being in that world I knew photographers I had friends and I thought you know maybe I could be a photographer so I bought a camera um actually it was a, a Nikon um FM2 uh, the recommendation of a friend 
and I started taking pictures. And um, the first role I took was um, everything was blurry. And I thought, oh, maybe my eyes, eyes are not that great <laughs> or something. But I didn't even understand that the shutter speed had to be fast enough to, to catch the image, you know. So it, it was camera shake. And I just went from there. And initially, I thought maybe because I was in that world, maybe I could do fashion, you know. But I was kind of the, the excitement with that world was wearing off. And I, I went to see a show of um, Irving Penn, a retrospective that had started at MoMA in New York. I actually saw it uh, um, in London. Although I was living in Milan, I was visiting London and I went to the Victoria and Albert Museum and I bought the, the catalog from the show. It, I was blown away by it. I thought it was a fantastic show and they had these great portraits. And I thought not only did he take these fantastic portraits, but he met all of these people, you know, everyone from, and everyone, Picasso to, you know, who, whoever you might think of. And I thought, oh, maybe I can be a portrait photographer. Hmm. And so that was, that was what I got started with. Um, initially just photographing friends for quite a few years. And then uh, I, you know, I started showing my portfolio around and I, my first breaks were all with uh, music. I started working for music magazines and specifically um, the NME, New Musical Express. In, by this time I was living in London. And uh, this is a, a music, weekly music paper that used to be a really big deal. And I always got when I was a kid and even growing up. And uh, so that was cool to be shooting for them. But I was basically doing portraits and I had to shoot shows and things too, live shows. It was okay, but I never really had that much interest in that photographically. But yeah, so it was, uh, so I was, I was shooting portraits for magazines and record companies uh, for, for quite a few years. Um, I, I, I was shooting for like Sunday magazine, you know, Sunday newspapers magazine. So I was shooting all kinds of people, writers, directors, actors, musicians, you know, all this kind of thing. And that yeah, was great. You have quite the list on your website of, of names of people that you photographed. Yeah, I just thought, you know, it made me look a bit more legit or something. <laughs> hey, it's part, it's part of your history, right? It's important. Yeah, and, and I used to have, uh, before I changed my website, I used to have a page uh, of portraits uh, with lots of portraits. But then when I, I did a new website, I thought, you know, this is just, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested really in getting work doing that. And so why have it on my site? And it was, uh, it was kind of, it wasn't what I'm about anymore. That For was sure. just my past. And so I tend to, you know, um, I, te I tend to not show that stuff to people at all, even though at the time I was into it and, you know, and I took some nice pictures, I think, but it's not, it's not my interest now. Yeah. I think, uh, from my experience going through something similar, not, not a same genre, but, um, at least for me, I had a hard time letting go of something that I had done for so many years, even though mm -hmm. I knew that I 
clearly wasn't interested in it anymore, but I always kind of had it there with me a little bit and it took a while to kind of detach. Just felt strange in a way to create this body of work over a really long period of time and then tuck it away and, and, and not show anyone anymore essentially. But I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it for me, at least it felt, I realized now how important it was. Yeah. Well, I had a, um, a very strange, um, you know, in the days when I used to have a physical portfolio, you know, I had a book of photographs that I'd take around and show looking for work. I went through this period where it was, so I'd had a book of uh, portraits, you know, mostly well-known people, um, black and white as well. I used to do a lot of lith prints. And in the middle of this portfolio, there was like, you know, maybe 10 pictures of, um, from, you know, like desert road trips. <laughs> there was just like, you'd, you'd be looking at these pictures of different actors and musicians. And then suddenly there was this little section um, with this like American road trip stuff. And then you'd go back to the portraits. <laughs> and it kind of made sense to me. But when I think about it now, it was a weird thing to be showing people, you know. So I'm curious then, uh, it's interesting to hear you say that traveling around with this uh, portrait or this portfolio of your portrait work and then you have these almost like these little pieces of what's coming tucked in there scattered around with it so when did you finally get to a point where you just like detached from that previous work and decided that you were going to just focus on this this new work like what was that like yeah so what happened was so i'd been i'd been shooting that stuff just uh for my own for myself, you know, uh, I didn't even really know why. Well, I, I knew why I was doing it because I enjoyed doing it, but I didn't know that there was any kind of future in it for me because I basically, I, you know, I'd been making a living as a photographer, shooting portraits and uh, things like that. And um, so I came, I came at this from, even though I was trying to make pictures that I thought were good and strong and, you know, somewhat artistic, I didn't really come into it just as an artist, you know, and in fact, I didn't really like to use that term for many years. Um, It was a a way of making a living, you know, something I enjoyed and I tried to do it beautifully or whatever. Um, But with the road trip stuff, I, I didn't really see any kind of future in it as far as making money or anything like that. Um, and then the whole thing happened with the internet, with, uh, where magazines started to really struggle, people that were giving me work, um, and the record business as well was, you know, the money went out of it for, for a while. And, um, so I was getting less and less work by this time I was living in New York. I'd, I'd moved to New York, um, and I was starting to get into, in debt, you know, paying the rent and all this was I wasn't getting enough work and I didn't really know what to do and then out of desperation I thought maybe I could start to sell this the stuff I've been shooting and I and I kept going and I kept building up this this work from the road trips um maybe I could start to sell this stuff in the street in New York um and it was a desperate move, you know, and I didn't know. I just thought maybe it can help towards the rent. 
and I was still getting this other work too. There was an overlap for a little while. Um, but once I got out in the street, um, people started buying it. I enjoyed it. There was a kind of a maverick aspect to it. I liked just going up, setting a t up a table in the street. Although it felt very strange, like, you know, like the first day. Um, I got into it and um, I kind of realized that I was over the other thing, you know, and, and I did, I turned down a couple of things that would have been good um, for me before and and i just decided you know i'm just not doing that anymore and it's partly um it was kind of confusing to me to be trying to do both things and i wanted my identity to just be that guy taking the road trip pictures and so i so i quit the other thing um and, and that was that and how did that feel just because i know that can be a really difficult thing to do, especially when, you know, it's one thing if, say, you're interested in two, you know, very drastically different genres of photography, but you're only doing it as, say, a hobby, not when it's, you know, part of your yeah. way of making a living. And you're coming from this one thing that is, say, like a commercial portraiture getting hired to to shoot jobs, essentially, yeah. switching completely to trying to sell your art, essentially. Yeah. Well, it felt good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, you know, what helped a lot was, uh, so I'd been out on the street for a few months and um, a woman came by my table and she said she liked my work and she had what was at the time a photo gallery that sold books called Click, C-L-I-C, in New York City, a French woman called uh, Christiane Sell. And she said, you know, I like this stuff. Maybe we can sell big prints, um, you know, limited edition uh, for, you know, uh, at her, her, what was then called click gallery since it, she's expanded, she's got other locations and it's more of a, it's a store really that sells like expensive furniture and even clothing and things for the home, but also lots of photography. Um, and that's been, so that happened. And so they started selling my work and that they, they started to sell some big prints um, and then a gallery owner from Stockholm called Christian Larsen saw me in the street and he liked my work and um, he bought a lot of big prints from me and then he gave me a show in Stockholm and all of a sudden, you know, this was, I, I thought, okay, this is a, this is my new world. You know, I could do this stuff. And um, so that made it easier than just being, just selling the small prints on the street for sure um but it it felt good and and like i said that that was my new identity and i tend to uh, you know there's something in my character when when i decide to do something i don't usually spend too much time wondering about whether it was the right thing and you know going back and forth I, i'll tend to just it's easier for me to just forget about that other thing uh, and say, okay, this is it now. This is what I'm doing. Um, so, so I'm really curious um, with that move then to going and selling in the streets, obviously it sounds like it opened up these, well, not only did it give you a, a way of generating income by selling prints yourself, but it opened up these other opportunities all of a sudden. But I'm curious about balancing the 
the two kind of worlds there, selling these smaller um, kind of affordable prints yeah. yourself and then still having this avenue where you can go and sell these larger limited uh, limited edition pieces that are at a higher value, um, which is obviously, I'm assuming, something you, you wanted to do as well. Yeah, and um, it's it's a good question. Um, you know, when, when um, Christiane from Click first stopped by, she she was like, well, how are we going to do this? You know, because that obviously that is a, an issue. And actually where I sell my stuff in the street is only, it's a few blocks away from click, you know. Interesting. And um, so she said, maybe we can do, you know, just do certain images large and you can do certain images smaller. And I was reluctant to do it because I'd been on the street long enough to know that certain images sold better than others. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to handicap myself um, by either not selling, uh, you know, not having the things that I felt would sell better uh, in her location or not having them for myself. So this was, uh, so we just started out by, and continue to sell the same images but uh, at different sizes, you know, there was a, a limit on the size, uh, the open editions. You know, yep. I, I said I wouldn't do anything larger than, uh, you know, I, I sell these small prints in 11 by 14 mats. And, and so we, and we go up to 50 by 60 inches for the large ones, but they're the same images and they're, they're limited um, to like the largest ones. Uh, there's only, it's an edition of, uh, let's see, six, I think. Um, and, and so far it's, it's worked. I, and I get people um, at my table, you know, pleading to do, uh, you know, to do larger images um, and trying to bypass that whole thing, but I, sure. I'm just not going to do it, you know. So. Well, for the, you would think for the most part, it's probably two different customers. Somebody who's going to go and spend um, hundreds of dollars on a larger limited edition print versus um, a, a smaller size print. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of overlap, but I would think for the most part, it's probably two different customers. Yeah, it probably it probably is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to talk to you about that, though, because it's something that I have continuously struggled with over the years because it's always felt like one or the other. Right, commit right. to these higher priced, larger, limited prints, or go the route of you know having your work available, smaller size, open edition that is more affordable for some people who maybe don't have um, you know the budget to afford something bigger. And I've always struggled with committing to one or the other because wanting to you know have my work accessible to people at all kind of ranges of uh, of budgets is something that's appealed to me. Yeah, well, I I love that actually. I love that people, you know, even school kids or someone can. Could I sell the prints for um, matted for thirty dollars, and um, that's affordable to most people. For sure. And um, and I love it that um, you know when I'm on the street, um, when I have really good days out there, I'll sell more than thirty prints, and they're going out all over the world. You know, you get lots of tourists in New York and. And it's great, you know, that, that there is that affordability and it's great that the other thing can work too. Um, the, the guy in um, the gallery in uh, Stockholm, he, he was 
you know, he's much more of a traditional Chelsea style gallery. And, um, and I think he, he didn't really know how to deal with that, but, but it's, it's working. Yeah. I mean, it would be different, I guess, if say you were selling like a 20 by 30 open edition on the street for $300 less than the 20 by 30 signed limited edition in a gallery or something. Right. But it seems like there's a very clear divide there with, you know, these limited, these, these smaller sizes in an open edition and then everything else is. is Yeah. It's, you know, I've wondered, it hasn't been, I wasn't going to say it hasn't been easy to, um, uh, to deal with that, but actually it's, it's been working fine. I do get people say, well, well, how come, because people will ask if they can get a bigger one, you know, when I'm on the street and I tell them how it works and they're like, wow, you know, how come it's so much more expensive? And I said, well, you know, that's what it costs if you want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it, it is a bit of a strange thing, but it, but it works. And it, I think it's, I think it was unusual. Um, I, I'm not sure that it, I'm not sure that, I doubt that, I'm sure that very, very few galleries would, would let me do that, mm-hmm. to be honest. I don't, yeah. I don't think that would work. I think they'd say, you can't be selling in the street. But, um, you know, that's, I've been lucky. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, I, I was really fascinated when I discovered that, uh, just diving into your stuff and reading up about it, because it's, uh, it's an appealing dynamic uh, for me, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's different for everyone, but like I said, it's something that I've struggled with over the years, just knowing, trying, basically deciding which is, you know, what is a way that can work and, and feels right, I guess, for yeah, for my yeah. audience. Yeah. And, and I sometimes get people who've seen my work in, um, you know, in, in other places um, c- come across me in the street and they're really surprised, you know. They say, wow, we just saw that this and this and it costs this and you're out here. What, what are you doing on the street? You know, I'm like, well, paying the rent. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it personally. I, I think it's great. Um, so speaking of your work, I want to jump into that and just talk about that um, a little bit. So yeah. you're, you're doing this portrait photography for a, a big chunk of your career when you start out and then you kind of make this transition and commit to this this uh, road trip photography um that you're doing yeah. now um so what was what was that kind of transition like and 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 where did this love co- come from for this type of work that you're doing now well um you know i'd done some i'd visited um you know i'm from england and i visited england uh, visited america uh, a few times when i was younger and even and even lived um it's a long story, but I, I ended up, I took a vacation and um, started hitchhiking and ran out of money and ended up in uh, Austin, Texas in uh, 1981. And so, and, and it's a long story, but I'd spent time in America and I'd always been really attracted to, uh, you know, traveling around in America and that whole kind of room. You know, when I was younger, I'd read On the Road, Kerouac, got very, exci- very excited about that. And, and, you know, with music and books and movies, you know, my favorite ever movie is Paris, Texas, Vin Vendors. Yep. And, um, you know, the whole romance of that, you know, I think as a European, I think my photography is kind of a, 
Europeans' romantic idea of America and the American road. And so that was always kind of in me, but I wasn't really, I guess, that, I guess having the camera allowed me to really do something with it, you know? And uh, so it's just, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, you know, it's a lot of, um, but mostly from other, from other genres, you know, from books and music, especially, um, and then, so I started taking these pictures. You know, the first time I took this a road trip doing that, it was, I guess I was aware of imagery without really being aware of who'd been taking those photographs. Because I, although I was really into photography, I was basically a black and white photographer. Um, and I was into like the old jazz photographers and people like Penn and, probably uh, Avedon, you know, in the American West. So that's a fantastic book. Um, and so I, t I went out and I took this trip and I came back and I started showing the pictures to people and people started to talk about Eggleston and Stephen Shaw. And I honestly didn't know who they were, you know, and so I started checking it out and then I loved it. I loved those, those photographers and, um, I discovered Richard Mizrak and um, Joel Sternfeld. It was fantastic, you know, with some humor in there. And so then I thought, okay, I've got to be careful. So I was probably was aware of those images some on some level, but I didn't really know about it. Um, so then, you know, the next trip I took, I thought, well, I've got to be careful to not be too influenced by these guys <laughs> and I would see something that I thought oh that looks like an Eggleston picture and I wouldn't take it because <laughs> I thought I didn't want to be copying now I've loosened up on that now and now I've just kind of like I'll just take the picture and then um then th think about it afterwards you know if, if I feel it's too derivative or whatever um but that but that was a thing for me for a while you know interesting it's fascinating to hear you say that um just because for me my discovery of that that world the american southwest uh there was this kind of instant um fascination uh and almost love with with that landscape yeah. and also i had been a photographer at that point for about 10 years but same thing i i didn't know much about the history of image making when it came to to kind of that genre of photography if you want to call it that or yeah. what it, the it was kind of a leap from what i was used to and then as i got into it more i started discovering uh photographers like you mentioned yeah. uh, especially shore who who um, yeah. it's hard to to look I at their work i can see that in not... your pictures yeah oh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> without without saying they're der too derivative but well, i can well i was going to say it's hard to to look at their work and not have it influence you in a way. And that's not to say, you know, I'm going out and seeking, you know, thinking in my head, okay, what would Stephen Shore do in a situation like this? But I think, yeah, um, just yeah. kind of subconsciously it's there after, you know, viewing, viewing their work and studying it and just enjoying it for, yeah, for a number of, of years. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's like if you were a musician and you like a particular genre of music, um, 
you know, maybe you, you want to be a country musician or rock and roll or whatever, and you're going to like certain types of musicians and you're going to go towards that. And, you know, you can't help but uh, take influences, you know. Well, and I think that's important for all of us when we're starting out or, or focusing on a new genre or introduced to something new. It's just the reality that it takes time to kind of get a, become immersed in, in that subject matter and discover I don't want to say your style, but what truly interests you and, and start building up a body of work and see where it goes. I think it's natural at the start. You're go- going to have these kind of st- stronger influences that maybe fade a little bit as you become yeah. a, a little more comfortable with with your own style. Yeah. You know, expanding on that, um, I can remember now uh, taking pictures and think, oh, this looks a bit like this person this looks a bit like that and then i'd get one and i thought well this doesn't really remind me of anything and that's a good thing you know and maybe (laughs) maybe that's one of my pictures you know and and over time because i've been doing it for so long and i've built up this body of work i kind of when i'll sort of look at things and i think okay this is like my kind of picture um but then again, the, I, I like having a style, but then you have to be wary as well of getting trapped inside that and, sure. um, you know, not straying at all. So although I I liked, I do like having a, a style and, and I like things to fit together and sit together, I like to push it a little bit here and there to see if I can expand it and bring in something else. You know, but it's yeah, something to think about for sure. Yeah, no, I think I think it's important, and I, I think it's natural that even after a year or two of focusing on one style or not one style but one subject matter, um, there at least in my experience, there starts to become this um, not repetitiveness, but there can be times where it feels yeah. like maybe you're doing taking the same, the same thing. Picture. Yeah, 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 but but. Uh, I mean, a big part of it for me, exploring those landscapes is just the 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 places themselves and the environment themselves. And and you could probably relate with some of the areas that are more well known. Like a, a you know a, a good example for me is say um, like Amboy in California, right? right. It's, it's one of the most popular places out there. But every time I head out in the desert, I still stop by Amboy and I still explore it for a couple hours just because it genuinely interests me and I enjoy being there. Even though I know if I make any images there, there's a good chance that there's going to be similar ones. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got certain go-to places as well, you know, like the Salton Sea. Um, uh, I've been a few times to Tonopah, Nevada. And uh, yeah, there are, there are places that... Um, you know, that I like to go and, and it, and actually it can be interesting. You go back to a place and re-photograph, uh, something I've had that experience where, uh, things change over time. And that's interesting as well. You know, you can have like two or three pictures of the same thing that, that are really interesting. And that uh, for, with you mentioning that, this is probably something you've experienced, but it kind of almost shock didn't shock me, but maybe I was just being a little, uh, ignorant to the fact but a lot of these places that we seem to photograph are places that are slowly decaying and, and may not be there for much longer and the funny thing is is for me when i'm photographing them i know that and it is yeah. one of the things that interests me but there's been a couple times now where i've returned on these trips and something has changed 
or not even been there Gone. anymore. Yeah. And it, it was like a shock almost. Yeah. Even though even though it's I knew that was was coming, it's kind of a, 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 a yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's important to stop and shoot that thing instead of thinking, yeah. oh, I'll catch it next time. Yeah, 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 for sure. So you were working on uh, this body of work, uh, in particular, the book that you released, Diesel Fried yeah. Chicken, for yeah. a number of years, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, I I guess, I, I you know, I, I'm particularly obsessive about that. You know, a lot of photographers, they'll do a couple of road trips and, that's that series and then they do something else and they do something else and and i sometimes will look at uh, look at that and think well that's not really fully done or something and so i just got i just tend to keep hammering away at the same thing and once or twice i've felt i'm done with this but then i come back to it again and um maybe at some point i'll i'll change but um it to me it doesn't it's not really like a series or something that's for one book or one exhibition um it's just it's just what i do i, I don't know it's a, maybe it's a lack of imagination <laughs> but um i keep trying to mine it for you know for more and more stuff i, I feel like i want to do it really well you know if i'm going to do it really do it you know for sure well it's a uh... I've kind of told myself after shooting out there for about three years that, you know, I've started to tell myself I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this project up. I mean, obviously moving over to the UK, my ability to get out there is going to be a, a little more difficult, but I, you know, I kind of came to this point where I decided that I'm going to try and put something together now yeah. and uh, start to slow down going out there. But it, you know, I, as soon as I say that a month later, I'm looking at my portfolio and I'm just like longing to get back out there. And I think I've accepted the fact that, that's an area that I'm going to probably visit for the rest of my life. Cause there's just right. something special about it that attracts me and I'll probably photograph it for the rest of my life as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, there's a, you know, I'm thinking now about, you know, how we said that, lo that lots of people are out there doing that and shooting the same things and something I'm always trying to do is, um, you know, to try to get, a, a, not just photograph that thing, but to kind of get a twist on it. You know, if there's a bit of humor or there's something, just get put my own little twist into it, um, which is, I mean, I did take a picture on the last trip I took that is basically just a picture of like a, a liquor store that I thought was really beautiful that there's not really that clever. Although there's, there is a sign, there's a motel in the background, which is a kind of a kind of crummy rundown motel and the sign says best motel. So there's a slight bit of humor in there, but that's basically just a picture of it is what it is, which I, I usually don't do. You know, if I just see a cool diner or something, I won't take the picture. I, I want there to be more. I want there to be something quirky in in the sign or whatever that you know where there's some letters missing that make it different or whatever um so it's there's always a challenge you know it's not just going out there and finding the thing and taking a picture it's like how can i make this really interesting so so it's you know it stretches you it certainly comes across in your work i mean that the title of your book 
And then when once you dive into your work and you see the image, which is obviously behind the title of the book, it, yeah. it, it, it's a good representation of that for sure. Yeah, I love that. You, you know, for a long time, because I had the book in mind, ever since the first trip, actually, ever since the first day of the first of those first trips in 2001, um, I thought, oh, this could be a book, you know. Um, and, but, and I had different titles in mind. And for a long time, uh, it was going to be um, I Dream a Highway, which I had a show with that title and I've got a tattoo. It's, it's a Gillian Welch song. And I, I really liked it. But then over time and with the way the pictures were going, and it felt too romantic. It didn't quite fit with the pictures. And I wanted something a bit different and more quirky and more gritty and, um, and maybe humorous. And, and I was just trying to think what it could be. And I was thinking about my pictures. And then I was like, diesel fried chicken. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased I didn't get the chance to print the book, publish the book before I had that title. And I've had a show with that title as well. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I think often, you know, uh, early on, somebody was actually prepared to, very early, was prepared to print, uh, publish a book of, of those pictures um, but they wanted to. They wanted it to be a kind of corny uh, Route sixty six type of thing. I don't know. It just it didn't. It didn't feel right to me the way mm -hmm. they wanted to do it. Um, and I'm really pleased because it would have been so much weaker. You know, get, giving myself a lot of time to get more and more pictures and stronger pictures was a good thing. And then obviously, uh, I was just talking about the title and getting that in place. And, you know, you, a thing can happen too quickly, I think. And I would have regretted that. So I'm glad it took that long. Um, and even now, you know, I've ha had some pictures since. That I thought, oh, that would have made it a bit stronger. And, <laughs> um, but I'm, you know, I've, I'd like to do another book at least. And I've got, uh, you know, I'm putting together um pictures for that but more or less in the same vein you know it's not like a whole different thing but we'll see well, hopefully it'll get his own character well i think that's an amazing example of how things evolve right and and how important patience can be at times yeah because it's easy to you know get consumed with something and want to set these goals and want to finish it and want to launch it um and that's it's interesting to hear you uh talk about how that unfolded because when I was doing some research into your work I, I saw some older articles where the um it was titled something else oh right okay yeah. there you go yeah. so um <laughs> no I think it's a, a great example though of having this body of work essentially evolve and your understanding of it kind of evolve over a period of time and then you know getting to this point where where you finally launch it and it's it's right yeah, yeah, and it wasn't necessarily my decision, you know, it's just, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it's just being able to, yeah, to get it done. So, it, but it, it, I'm happy the way that worked out, yeah. Well, the title is amazing. I remember the first time I came across it, I was like, what a creative title. <laughs> like, yeah. how did he ever come up with that? And then um, obviously when I dove into your work a little bit and I saw that one image, uh, it all made sense, but yeah. it's great. Yeah. So that, you know, that's a pretty old picture, 
but that sign was there, um, you know, for a long, long time in Van Horn, Texas. And um, the last time I went through there, you know, on, on my way to visit Marfa again, uh, it was gone. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a shame. The sign's gone. Um, and then several months ago, I got an email from a guy and the title of the email was, I've got the diesel fried chicken sign. <laughs> <laughs> and um, turns out there's, there's a guy in uh, Austin and he has a company called Roadhouse Relics. <laughs> and he, he makes these really cool neon signs and sells them and has a gallery of that stuff. And, but he also um, buys up old signs and refurbishes them. And, and so he, he had bought it. He said it took quite a while to be able to negotiate with the folks and buy the sign. And, um, and he was going to clean it up. And um, he showed me a picture, you know, showed me a picture. Um, I think it's, it's on his Instagram, actually. Um, Roadhouse, I think it's at Roadhouse Relics. And um, there's a picture of the sign in his backyard, but it's like 30 foot long, you know. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I could get it, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> Put it on your wall in uh, in New York. Well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after working on that for the body of work for so long and it coming together into this book after yeah. what what was that? Like 18 yeah, years? Yeah, 17 like years, that? I think. Yeah. Yeah. How How did you ever curate that? <laughs> Well, I had been constantly curate, kind of curating it. And also the thing on the street has been useful um, because what I do is I put, it's not all the same pictures, but it's a lot of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, they sit in a, like a basket, like a wire basket at my table. And I always have a running order for it. So when people you know, leaf flick through it, look through the pictures. I don't, I don't want it to just be random, you know? So there's a running order. And of course I used to have a portfolio, a physical one that I did and then websites. And I'm always very aware of, um, of things flowing and making sense, almost like editing a movie, you know, or putting together an album, which is not so important these days, but you know, there's a, you know, I never really liked greatest hits albums, you know, it, because they didn't really work properly. But a, another type of album where you've got, uh, you know, there had to be a flow with it. There'd be, they're not all hits. There's something that just sets the mood and runs into the next and they have to flow into each other. The same with a movie. I've never edited a movie, but, you know, um, and the same with a book. So, I didn't want it to just be a collection of pictures. It had to f feel right one after the other. And that can be really hard to do. For sure. Um, and even when I used to, you know, I'd have my website and I'd have a couple of new pictures and it would throw the whole thing off. And it'd take me about three days to, to get it right again, you know. <laughs> and with the book, you know, I was working with a designer who now initially, you know, that's what he does. He, he designs and he does layouts and he wanted to do the layout. And so he, you know, he, he showed me what he wanted to do. And 
I could see what he was doing in places, but I really, I really wasn't happy with it. You know, I didn't, uh, and I think he did a great job with the, the design, the, you know, the, he did things with the cover, with the, with the font and all this. So, you know, he's a really talented guy. He's good at what he does, but I'd been living with this stuff forever. And I kind of had an idea what I wanted to do with it. And so I, I said, well, you know, let me redo it because I'm not going to be happy <laughs> otherwise. And um, so I kept some things that he did. Um, I, tr I had, you know, compromised a bit, but basically it's kind of my layout and um, it's something I'm all, I've always been interested in to making it work that way. And I know there are photographers who hate that and they love to hand it over to someone else to do that kind of thing. Um, but, that, but that's not me, you know. So it's something I'm, I'm as inch, you know, I think a, the book, a book is kind of like a, 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 you know, like a piece of art in itself. And it's not just a collection of pictures. It's, it has to be, you know, it has to work as, as a separate thing. I think the thing that I've realized is that images certainly take on a, a, a bit of a different life uh, when you even go to put them, say, on a website and sequence them versus just looking at them as a whole in a collection where you know yeah. which ones you like the best, I guess, from an aesthetic standpoint. Mm -hmm. But no, you're very much right. As soon as you put them together, things take on a different shape. And I've found that I end up selecting images that wouldn't necessarily be my favorite, but ones that are equally as important to kind of tie things together. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's what I was trying to say, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah. one thing um, that interests me too, looking at your work, especially shot over uh, such a uh, long period of time, is it all, there's a consistency in the format. Were you shooting the same yeah. uh, um, like aspect ratio the whole time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, not entirely. Uh, um, Initially, so um, the first trip, you know, I'd, so I'd been used to shooting with a Mamiya 7 yep. um, with an 80 mil lens and with uh, a Contax 645 with an 80 mil lens. And I was, I was really liking the Mamiya 7, but I was, you know, you only get 10 shots on a, on a, roll and with the contacts i was getting uh 16 and so i was a it was going to be a big trip and cost lots of money and so i was kind of shooting with both and maybe a bit more with the contacts because just trying to save film um and over time i just realized i i much preferred uh, for this for this type of stuff, I much preferred the Mamiya 7. And so I only shoot with that now. So there are actually some pictures, not many, but there's like, there are just a few that were shot with the contacts on those early trips. But because I do like consistency, um, I changed the, uh, the, the ratio, the aspect of them to, to con, uh, to be all like as if I shot it with a six seven, so I cropped for sure. them for sure um, to all to all be the same, and and I'm kind of 
a bit obsessive about that. Like I shoot with the same camera. I've got a backup body uh, with the same lens, just one lens, one fixed lens. Um, so every and the same film, <laughs> like you know, Kodak Portra. Um, mostly one sixty, but there's you know four hundred is there as well. Uh, so it's very. I'm all about that consistency and and also over time you know like you say that's it's a lot of years but i want i don't want it to look like oh this one's a new one and that's an old one and 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 i like there to be i guess you know without initially thinking about it much a kind of a timeless quality to it so you don't really know when it was shot you know so they all have to i'm i'm very aware that it's one body of work and sometimes there are shots that I that I like, but they just they don't sit right with the other things. And so, um, you know, so I guess I'm a bit obsessive about that. Well, that's that's what was surprising to me when I learned how long you'd been working on this body of work. Right. And then I, I you, you wouldn't know unless you read that because there is this consistency and this yeah. quality to them that's very similar. So, uh yeah, it was really kind of surprising almost to see um, how long this was created over and then and then see the images grouped together like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, good, thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just a couple more questions mm-hmm. uh, wrapping this up. Uh, I want to kind of jump back to the business side of things, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Making this transition to to decide to kind of go all in on this type of photography and then making the decision to, to sell your prints in the street. And what was there something that kind of surprised you the most? Like, was there some hesitation when you, when you decided to make that move? And, and I know you said it was done out of, out of kind of a need to, to go and try and make some income once things started changing. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, although once I did it, I quickly, sort of realize, yeah, this is good. This can work. This is what I want to do. Um, it was a long time coming. You know, I, I had this uh, way of doing things <clears throat> for years and I didn't really have the imagination to to change it. And and actually something that I'd, I'd kind of, I didn't say to you and, and I've sort of edited it out of my story <laughs> Um, is that I was selling um, prints through a gallery, a Chelsea gallery. Um, And, um, you know, I'd I'd sell a few, but there was no way it could be considered even close to making a living. Um, But that was kind of in my mind as a possible career path to, you know, get things into galleries and, and, and move along like that. And so when I did the street thing, I thought, well, that's gonna, you know, it wasn't a career move, you know, it was, I thought, well, that's gonna end that, basically, that idea of, of selling in galleries. Um, and so, you know, I spoke to, um, spoke to the gallerist and told him what I was doing and, and he was like, well, yeah, so, you know, we'll have to end our relationship. Um, so it was, you know, it really was, I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to have to give up on that by doing this 
street thing. So it's surprising to me that it it actually opened things up for me. So how important do you think it is then to to kind of adapt over a career, both in say your your work itself, but also um, yeah, well, like. I guess it ab- absolutely is, but but I wasn't um, very quick to do it. You know, it was, uh, I just, I thought this is the way you do it. And uh, and I think that's probably quite common. I, I, think, I think most photographers with some kind of um, aspirations, you know, in the art world um, would be very reluctant to either, certainly to go in the street or to sell their work cheaply, you know, I think that's, that just seems like a no, no. Um, and, and, you know, it probably is for most people, but for me, it's, it's, it's the way it worked out and it's, I'm happy. I think listening to you talk about that, it seems to me like you have, you've kind of achieved this really great balance that's working for you. And obviously there's other, like making a living is important, but there's also, uh, enjoying your work and enjoying, how that work kind of shapes your life and what it requires you to do and not do. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I was going to say was, you know, one great thing with this thing in the street is obviously you're just meeting people all the time. And in a place like, you know, I do it in Soho in New York, that can be anyone can buy, come by, you know, um, from homeless people, people from all over the world up to people like, um, there was a woman, the vice president of Christie's that bought a bunch of my stuff on the street and <laughs> you don't know who you're talking to, you know, and, um, and that's fantastic. And, and as I said that, you know, the, the two people who are selling my limited editions, I met them on the street. And if I was, you know, obviously Instagram has opened things up quite a bit. That's been mm-hmm. an interesting thing. But when I first started doing this, Ah, uh, you know, I was basically, I wasn't even really showing my pictures to people much. You know, I was at home, I had a website, but I wasn't really connecting um, to people. And now I'm like, I li- you know, this last six weeks has been different, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm living with the work all the time, talking about it, um, interacting with people, hearing what they, what they think about it you know and it's um you know from little kids up to very sophisticated people and um it's actually great you know i mean well, it's something t- that we going out there in all weathers and sure. uh, long hours and hauling the stuff out there and all of that but um you know could be a lot worse well it's a side of things that probably not a lot of people get to see like you said it's easy especially nowadays it's really easy to have your audience live online and your engagement live online and it is um it it is a different dynamic when you actually get out there and you're able to meet people and and see their reactions in person and talk about your work in person yeah absolutely yeah and all kinds of people you know um people who are not who are not used to looking at a photography or art or whatever you know for sure it's interesting yeah. Well, uh, I got to say, Rob, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work. Thanks um, so much, Kyle. What, what's coming next for you? You said more of this, just keep plugging away at more of the same and thoughts for another book. 
pretty much. Yeah, I love. I love pretty it pretty <laughs> much, and just and just hoping. I mean, obviously, this is a little frustrating, you know, For being sure. locked down like this. But, but yeah, the next the next road trip, and just you know, I'm just really hoping that when I when I take these trips, that I, that I'm going to come up with, you know, I hope a few really strong images but in reality even if it's like one really good image you know um so that's i'm just hoping for that and just hoping that you know something that doesn't exist yet will exist and it'll be really good you know um but you know and talking about that uh initially when i first the first trip trips i took it was just an adventure you know and getting some good pictures that was good but and over time it started to feel like uh, work you yeah. know and there's a pressure of like oh my god i didn't get any, i haven't yeah. got anything have i got anything yet on this trip and so i've had to tr sort of a readjust and remind myself that it's fun <laughs> and but there is and, and it is fun you know and it's it, you see beautiful things and uh, but at the same time, there is that aspect to it where there's a certain pressure. I go out and say I might be out there for like a couple of weeks, investing that time, money, um, and just the psychic thing of getting, doing something good. And, you know, if I can get a couple of good pictures in my mind early on, it really helps, you know. Uh I'm glad you said that, though, because it is it is a balance and it's obviously different for everyone, depending on if you're doing it um, to make a living versus just as a hobby. But, yeah. you know, a, a huge, huge, huge part of those trips for me is the experience and the adventure and, you know, the exploration and yeah. discovery and all of these things that, um, you know, come home when I come home are almost most meaningful. Uh, but, yeah, there is always this this kind of want and this pressure we put on ourselves to also want to make sure that we're creating work, especially when you're spending money and, and time to go out there and do this stuff. Right. Yeah. You Is don't want to come home and it's all <laughs> crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But having said that, um, I, the first several trips I'd, I'd come back and I had these things in my mind. Oh, I think I've got some good stuff and this one and that one. And then I'd get the contact sheets back and it just all looked awful. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it was depressing. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And then I'd start scanning things and bring them up on the screen. And I'm like, oh, okay, this one's not too bad. And tweak it a bit like this and this. And, and it would come, they'd come back to life. Yep. And I'd be like, oh, no, this one's really good. And so I had to just get used to that over time of looking at a contact sheet that was really disappointing and then pulling something out of it and, you know, and, and it coming back to me and just being really good, you know? And so, so I'd have to te temper that feeling when I first get the stuff, you know, and that's something that over time I learned to do, you know? Yeah. You almost have to detach for a bit yeah. from, from the work. I've learned that as well. I, I, I did a trip in, I did a trip recently, but the one I did before that was the previous year. So it would have been 20, uh, 2018. Yeah. And I went out to California and I shot for a week, maybe a little more than a week. 
And I remember I came home and I got all my scans back and I was just like, not, not as happy as I thought I was going to be. Yeah. I thought during the trip I created a lot of work. And so I just sat on it. And just as of recently, I've started to dig into those images a little more. And it's exactly what you said. It's like, okay, hang on a minute. You know, here's, <laughs> here's something here. And, and, and maybe, maybe there's something that'll, that'll come out of this that maybe I just didn't see before. Yeah. But I do, I do, you know, I don't shoot digitally and I think I would find that really hard just seeing something immediately, you know, and, and then, you know, maybe think, Oh, I'll try to do a bit different, whatever. And I, I don't think I'd like that. I think I like just taking a picture and moving on, you know, and, um, I do, I do like little, I, I, you know, and I've got it in my mind, but I, I, I don't think I deal with that very well with just sort of looking, taking a picture, looking at the back of the screen. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't know, I guess I'd adjust to it, but I've, I've got no real desire to tell you. The no, truth. no, no, I, I don't, I, I could relate. I think there's even that, uh, you know, even that couple week break once you're back and you're, I don't like, depends who you are, but for me getting my film developed and scanned by a lab, you know, I, I say I'm on the trip and I shoot an image and then I'm home a week later and then there's two weeks to get my work back. So there is this kind of gap there yeah. where once I get those back, it's this exciting time of kind of going back through everything I made and remembering some images that maybe I forgot about. Um, I took a digital camera with me uh, on my last trip this year. It was a uh -huh. little Fuji to shoot beside my film camera. I was doing uh -huh. a, a bit of a video on the side for Fuji. And uh, it was a really interesting dynamic. Just like you said, it was all of a sudden I'm shooting and then you can see right away, um, you know, these images. And I, and I... I didn't enjoy that as much as having that kind of disconnect for a little bit when shooting film. Yeah. I, I, what I have been doing is I'll, when I take a picture, I'll then take a picture on my iPhone mm. and I'll send it, you know, back to my girlfriend and say, I shot this today or whatever. Um, but it's kind of different enough, you know, with the, um, the, the different lens and this and that, that, that I'm sure. thinking, well, this isn't the real thing, you know? Um, sometimes it looks fantastic and I'm thinking, God, I hope the other one looks as good as it. <laughs> um, but it's, but I'm, I'm kind of detached from that. But, but also that time thing, something I find is once I get back and I've got the pictures and I scan it and I print it and I'll often, I'll take new ones out to the street with me to see how they are. And sometimes, uh, you know, it can take me a long time, a few weeks to decide if it's any good or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a bit confused. I'm like, well, I think this is okay. But then I'm like, nah, it's, and a lot of them fall by the wayside, but it's something that it can take a while to shake off, you know, maybe what I thought I did that first, when I first shot it, for sure, the idea I've got in my head or whatever. And it takes me a while to understand if it's good or not. You know? For sure. A few of my favorite images that I've made or that I consider my favorites now have come out of digging through my archives right. and, and seeing something that I knew was there and that I saw before, especially yeah. right after I shot it and then realizing, oh, how did I like, how did I miss this? All of a sudden it takes on this different life and I see it maybe in a, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that experience too. And I, I think our, 
our aesthetic can change a little as well over time, our, sure. our taste and what we think is good. And um, some things might, you know, just seem a bit too obvious and you drop them and there some other things kind of creep up and look better. But uh, yeah, it's all fun, well, I guess. Well, I'm excited to see, um, yeah, the future work you create. I mean, it sounds like you can expect uh, more of these places that, uh, you've been photographing so i'm excited to see yeah me too what new stuff you come up with <laughs> <laughs> and and where's the best pl- place for people to find your work i know you're still selling your book correct it's um available on your website yeah yeah interestingly um uh, in the last couple of weeks i've sold quite a few i think people are stuck at home yeah and um thinking that might be a nice thing to sit and look through a photo book yeah so my website is uh, is robhan.com that's my awesome. name, R-O-B-H-A-N-N.com. Awesome. And you have prints on there as well, prints, correct? The, the, the affordable prints, which are 30 bucks. Um, the book is 40 bucks. And, um, and if anybody, yeah, and there's, the, there's info on there about the, um, about the uh, limited editions as well. But I don't sell any of that through my site. It's just the, the smaller prints. Gotcha. Okay, amazing. Well, Rob, it's great to chat. Hey, great to meet uh, you, uh, Kyle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, likewise. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll bump into each other one day down the road. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And certainly if you're ever coming to New York, you know, let let me know and we'll we'll meet up. Absolutely. All right, Rob. Take care. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I got to say, really enjoyed that conversation with Rob. Uh, And it was just great to get to know him better and uh, learn some more about his process, seeing as how we both photograph a lot of the same areas. I also think that there's a lot to learn just from listening to Rob talk about his experience uh, taking the leap and embracing the work that he enjoyed the most. Um, Also, as well as his approach to selling work on the street, even though to some people it may be unconventional, but I think that hearing him talk about his process and his decisions why um, a lot of us can relate to that. And I think that um, there's a lot of value in that as well. Anyways, hope you all enjoyed this one. Uh, Also, just want to say if you're not following the show yet on Instagram, uh, we have a page over there which shares work from the photographers we feature as well as uh, announcements on new episodes and things like that. So uh, definitely check that out. You can find it at Contact Sheet Podcast. So just want to say a huge thanks again to all of you for listening and we will see you next week.